This prize is a tribute to the tireless efforts of many millions of campaigners and concerned citizens worldwide who, ever since the dawn of the atomic age, have loudly protested nuclear weapons, insisting that they can serve no legitimate purpose and must be forever banished from the face of our Earth. An excerpt from the statement by the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, who won this year's Nobel Peace Prize. And we have Tim Wright on the line, Asia-Pacific Director of the campaign, a coalition of grassroots civic groups based in Geneva. Thank you very much for speaking with us. Thank you for this opportunity. And... Well, what a privilege it is to speak with a Nobel Peace Prize winner. It's a group that has won this. It's different to some of the other Nobel winners that we've spoken to in that respect with the Peace Prize. Uh, Can you tell us um, just who is exactly responsible for this? Because presumably it's not actually millions of campaigners who are involved directly. (laughs) Um, It started off as quite a small group. Uh, I was involved in the early stages in Melbourne, Australia, which is where I'm based, and uh, we decided that there needed to be a concerted global effort to prohibit nuclear weapons uh, in order to achieve their total elimination. Uh, and since then, that was you know, about a decade ago, the campaign has uh, expanded significantly and we now have more than 400 partner organisations uh, in 100 countries. Um, and you know, there are people everywhere who are contributing in, in different ways to the success of this movement. And we, earlier this year, managed to get the United Nations to adopt uh, the first treaty ever that categorically prohibits nuclear weapons. The uh, the betting markets in the build-up to handing out this prize had Mohammad Javad Zarif and Federica Mogherini as front-runners for the Iran nuclear deal, uh, the White Helmets and their leader, Rayad al-Saleh. Um, we also saw UN High Commission for Refugees, Pope Francis, uh, several others uh, mentioned, including American Civil Liberties Union, perhaps I can mention as well there. Um, was it a big surprise for you when your name came out as the winner of the Peace Prize? It certainly was a surprise. Uh, we did get a, a phone call about 10 minutes beforehand uh, to let us know. But um, we had been aware that we were among the 300 or so nominees for the prize. Um, however, in all of the shortlists that were published of likely um, winners, we didn't appear in any. So uh, we certainly weren't expecting to win. But um, there were a lot of reports that this year's prize would go to a group working against nuclear weapons. Um, and as you say, the Iran deal negotiators were kind of touted as the most likely uh, winners. But uh, I guess the Nobel Committee uh, really wanted to recognise the importance of this new treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons, which we were uh, instrumental in bringing about. Not only that, perhaps we shouldn't be surprised that a group like yours has been recognised at a time when North Korea and the situation around North Korea seems to have brought us right back to the Cold War era. That's right. We're in a very um, perilous situation uh, with the tensions between uh, the United States and North Korea. It was only a few weeks ago that uh, President Donald Trump was addressing the UN and making quite uh, explicit threats uh, 
to North Korea and, of course, um, you know, North Korea responded uh, with similar, similarly aggressive rhetoric. Uh, it's very easy to see how this whole uh, situation could spiral out of control and uh, so we are certainly calling on all nations to uh, sign and ratify the new treaty in order to establish a really strong global norm against nuclear weapons. We can't continue uh, to have thousands of these weapons in the world and expect that they'll never be used again. What's the danger at this moment in time of, of North Korea moving in the other direction and, and potentially getting what it's demanding, which is to be recognised as a nuclear state, yet another to add to the list? Well, I think that North Korea has made it very clear that it uh, is intent on continuing to develop nuclear weapons, but I don't think that the response is, you know, the, the appropriate response is to be more and more aggressive towards North Korea. I don't think that that will achieve the kind of results that anyone wants. What we need is greater dialogue. We need diplomacy of the kind that has been attempted in the past, but uh, we need you know, a stronger uh, commitment from the international community to find a peaceful solution to this situation. Um, but it's important that all countries reject nuclear weapons for themselves. Um, you know, the, if nuclear weapons are necessary for uh, the United States and other nations, supposedly, um, then it's only inevitable that countries like North Korea will uh, acquire these weapons. So if we're yeah. going to stop the spread of nuclear weapons, we really need to do something about the 15,000 nuclear weapons that already exist. Is, is there a greater fear than ever of nuclear weapons getting into uh, rogue hands? Um, perhaps you could argue they already are in the case of North Korea, but um, non-state parties, for example, and what that could potentially mean if a group like ISIS, for example, was to be nuclear-armed in the future? Yeah, well, we we tend not to think of um, or t tend not to talk about kind of rogue states or rogue hands and, and rather just emphasise that there are no right hands for uh, the wrong weapons and these are clearly the wrong weapons because they have catastrophic humanitarian consequences. And one could uh, question uh, particularly whether someone of Donald Trump's temperament is... Uh, the kind of person that we would want to have um, you know, in charge of such a vast arsenal of nuclear weapons. So I don't kind of accept the, the logic that certain kind of individuals or certain nations can be trusted with these weapons. Um, in terms of the terrorist threat, yes, I think that so long as these weapons exist, there is a risk that um, non-state actors will acquire them. Mm. Uh, it's more likely that they would steal um, the weapons from the arsenal of the state rather than uh, develop their own. And we know that there are weapons around the world that uh, aren't particularly well guarded. And, I mean, I, I guess what I just want to elaborate on there is that what we're banking on with North Korea is that they have ultimately a goal for self-preservation, whereas a, a terrorist group um, might be prepared, if they're prepared to, to blow themselves up, to uh, to do so in spectacular nuclear fashion, uh, which would be a nightmarish scenario. 
But also without detracting from the value of your your peace efforts and the treaty efforts, can this genie be put back in the bottle? Once this technology is out there, how can we unlearn nuclear weapon technology? Well, it's about kind of demonstrating to these countries that their security uh, is undermined by the fact that they have nuclear weapons and would be greatly enhanced by uh, getting rid of them. So kind of changing the whole uh, way that they uh, perceive these weapons and the way that they talk about security. So we've really tried to kind of change the whole paradigm and discourse at the United Nations uh, to focus on uh, the transnational effects, the transboundary effects of nuclear detonations, um, to look at kind of what, what they do to people and the environment rather than just these abstract um, kind of geopolitical and um, strategic considerations. But to put the geopolitical consideration into a very stark light what we've effectively got right now is a series of superpowers and less superpowers pointing a gun at each other and in order to denuclearize one of them's got to put the gun down and trust the others aren't going to shoot them um is that something that you realistically think can happen as well as campaigning for it yes i think that the pressure from the rest of the international community will become so great over time that the nuclear armed nations will have no choice but to uh, disarm. Every nation's security is undermined by the existence of these weapons and so every nation has an interest in ensuring that this new treaty is successful um, and you know, what we must kind of acknowledge is that the vast majority of the world's nations uh, don't have these weapons and you know, absolutely reject these weapons because they're weapons of mass destruction and uh, won't indefinitely tolerate uh, these nine nations that um, essentially hold the world to ransom with their uh, nuclear weapons. And I think the fact that they haven't been used for um, the past seven decades is really largely to do with luck rather than the kind of foolproof, supposedly foolproof nature of deterrence. Well, again... Um we know North Korea feels differently. We've, we, we know that North Korea sees it as a key aspect of deterrence and defence, being a nuclear-armed state. Many people see things your way, and that is why your group has been awarded this Peace Prize, and we congratulate you again for it. And thank you, Tim Wright, Asia-Pacific Director for ICANN, the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, for joining us on the line today. Thanks, Alex. A pleasure.